Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Thanks for joining us online as we go through a series called Asking for a Friend. Have you ever had one of those questions where you know you're supposed to know the answer, but you are so embarrassed to ask it? And then you kind of just pose it as, hey, I'm asking for a friend. Can anybody help me out with the answer to this question? Through this series, we will learn that Jesus loves to hear us asking him questions. And he loves to answer those back. If you are new or a regular, Thank you so much for logging in. We appreciate all of your um, love and support and generosity through all of these series that we uh, present for you guys. If this is your first time, please log on to www.branchlife.church backslash connect. And in there, you will be able to fill out a connection card. We would love to give you a new Matthew journal as a free gift for, logging in and joining us. If you would like more information about our church, you can also go to the website and we you can find out some events that what's going on and some more um, series that we have already done and just ways to help encourage you. So thanks for jumping in and we hope you enjoy this new series. find as we go through these chapters is this theme of people realizing that Jesus, who was standing right in front of them, was God. And when they realized that they were talking to God himself, or the Messiah on earth, they asked a question. And Jesus answered the question over and over and over again. So we're going to look at those questions that people ask, and it brings us to this natural thought. If you could ask God any question, what would you ask? And, and if, if you knew, like, he was going to give you an answer, like, all right, I want to know this. And that's exactly what we're looking at in these next couple of chapters. So some of the topics that are going to come up, obviously, we have questions about the future today. And I know a lot of us would ask God about the future. Uh, there's questions about relationships that are going to come up, greatness, who's the greatest. Uh, all, all of those things will be happening over the course of the next seven or eight weeks that we're together. One question Uh, every Sunday, and we're going to kind of dive into it. Some Sundays there's going to be multiple questions. I'll tell you next week's question at the end of our time together, and I think it'll be one that you're going to want to see the answer. And so if you read ahead through chapter 17, 18, 19, and 20, uh, those chapters all contain, contain these questions that we're going to look at. Today's question that we have teased and that we are going to talk about is this question that gets asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 17, is this it? Is this the end? Is this the end of end? Is this the end of the world or the end of days? And maybe you thought to yourself, is, is this the end times that we're living in now? When is the end going to happen? When is Jesus going to come back? What's going to happen at the end? And this has been a question that we're going to see today that has been asked over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in the Bible. Now, I want to warn you up front, you may not be satisfied with the answer that gets given today. And, and Jordan is incorrect. I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly when the world is going to end. Uh, but we're going to give you some thoughts about it. How did Jesus himself answer this question? A lot of times we start thinking about the end right at this moment that we have kind of a massive event take place in our lives. Or a massive event that takes place in the world. 
Obviously, people are talking about the end right now because we're in a national pandemic. And the Bible says in the end, there's going to be disease, there's going to be natural disasters, and there's going to be all kinds. So is this it? Is this the end? And so we've had this big event that are leading people to ask this question. Sometimes personally you have that happen in your life. You get this diagnosis from, from a doctor. You go through an incredible uh, accident. You survive something that was a big deal. And you start asking yourself, is this, is this the end? Is this it for me? Or is this all there is to life? And, and where does it go from here? And there are some teachers. There are some preachers. There are some uh, pundits. There are some personalities that spend their lives just talking about prophecy. They just talk about the end and the end of days. And so this, this is a, a popular topic, and it's something that we've all thought about. And you maybe have said, I wonder, wonder if this is the end. Well, if you're thinking along these lines, you're not the first and you won't be the last. And we're going to see that today. And first, we're going to look at the big event that caused some of the disciples to ask this very question. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew uh, chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And we're jumping into the middle of the book. For those of you that have been traveling along with us here at Branch Life, uh, we've gone through every verse, every chapter up until chapter 17. And we've just, just got through um, kind of the first half of the book. Up until this moment, there's been an introduction to Jesus. You've learned who he was. You learned where he came from. You learned about the prophecies that he fulfilled, the miracles that he could do. You've heard him teach. You've heard him tell stories and parables. And, and all of this is, is introducing you to Jesus. And people started following him. And, and why would they do that? And he claimed to be the Messiah. And, and that all took place in the first half of Matthew. Now, starting in Matthew chapter 17, we are changing gears. And you're going to see that Matthew is going to direct us now, direct us directly towards the cross. We're going to make a beeline for the cross of Jesus Christ. And there's a little bit more yet to be revealed. But in this moment, this moment that's called the transfiguration, there is a, a, a shift in the story. There's a shift in the narrative. There's a shift in the, the pace of things. As Jesus in this moment, in a spectacular way, way, reveals himself to a few people. We just sang the song, he wraps himself in light. That literally happens in this story. So let's look at what's called in the Bible the transfiguration, and I'll make a couple comments on this as we read through it, and it'll bring us to our question of the day. Starting in uh, verse, let me get to the right place. Matthew 17, starting in verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, James's brother. Now, these are the three disciples that Jesus uh, was closest to. You'll see in the story Peter, James, and John being out of the 12, the three that spend the most time with Jesus, have the most access to Jesus, and then John being the disciple out of all of them who he dearly loved. This is James and John, their brothers, not James the brother of Jesus who wrote a book later in the New Testament. And Peter, James and John are called the sons of thunder. I've always kind of pictured them as the, the brawlers on the hockey team. You know, they're smashing people into the boards. That's James and John. And then Peter is the guy that's always running his mouth, and he gets out of the boat and walks on water. Peter's like, so these are, these are personalities. And Jesus grabs these three, right, and he takes them high to a mountain. This kind of mirrors Moses on the mountaintop in the Ten Commandments in verse 2. He says, and there he was transfigured before them. So this is a term that's only used here. What does this mean? We don't talk about this very much. So this is the description. It's also found in Luke and Mark. And his face, Jesus, shone like the sun. There's the light coming out of his being, out of his person, his face. And his, his clothes became white as light. So he became so bright, his clothing even uh, were shining. And behold, there appeared with him Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah at this point are long dead. They're not in the picture. They're not live people. And here they appear standing next to, this, to Jesus who has now literally wrapped himself in light. 
And Moses and Elijah are two of the greatest characters in the Bible. Moses wrote the whole first part of the Bible, the the father of the nation of Israel. He represents the law. Elijah, the the prophet that did great things for Jesus, and we'll talk about in a little bit. He represents the prophets. And Moses and Elijah are standing there, and they're talking to Jesus as he's wrapped in light. Verse 4, then Peter said, no shocker, Peter opens up his mouth, right? Then Peter said, Jesus, Lord, is it good that we are here? Excuse me, it is good we are here. And if you wish, here's what I'll do. I'm going to make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So what Peter was going to do is he was going to implement the, the, the festival of booths where they're going to build tabernacles. And what he wants to do is he wants to hang out there for seven days, each character with their own booth, and they're going to kind of keep this experience going. And Peter's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to make this work. This is going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. Here's the plan. And Peter starts inserting himself into this moment. As he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud, that's the best word that, that Matthew could come up with, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from this bright cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to their faces and were terrified. What a spectacular experience, right? This, this moment of transfiguration up on the mountain. This is Peter, James, and John's big moment. This is, this is the time that changes everything in their lives. All of these men would go on later in their life to write about and talk about this moment, the transfiguration. John would say that we have seen him in his glory and his splendor. The word has become flesh and we have seen his majesty. This is the same bright light that's shown up for the angels, the Shekinah glory, when Jesus' birth was announced. And in this moment, he shows up in spectacular fashion. And while Jesus is, is, is leading Peter, James, and John through this incredible experience, and man, do you wish you could have been a part of this experience? Seeing God displayed in flesh, while this is happening, God speaks. Now God, from heaven, only speaks a handful of times in the Gospels. There's only... There's only Four times that, that, comes, that God comes out and we're actually hearing the voice of God from the heavens. And what he says most of the time is this phrase. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. That's what God says. That first kind of phrase, I, I heard a, a, a podcaster a, a spiritual teacher over the last couple of weeks talk about this. And he said, to be able to think about pleasing God is one of the things that we often miss as followers of Jesus. We will focus on God's wrath. We'll focus on his justice. We'll focus on his, his, his righteousness. But a lot of times we don't think about his smile. We don't think about him laughing. We don't think about him being happy. And one of the privileges that the sons and daughters of God have is we have the ability, we have the opportunity to please God. Jesus, with his life, with his sacrifice, with his teaching, with, with his service, with his relationships, with the way that he handled money, with the way that he talked, he was pleasing to God so much so that most of the time when God talked from heaven, he was just declaring his pleasure. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Have you ever thought about how you could please God today? That if God could speak about you in this moment, would he actually say, this is my son and this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. And this was like a spectacular moment where God is revealing himself through the person of Jesus and in this moment, he's saying, this is a big deal. I am pleased with God. But we don't have to have big, huge, spectacular moments to please God. Have you ever thought about what God is thinking when he sees the mother caring for her newborn baby? Where she's self-sacrificially giving of herself, her sleep, her love and affection 
to keep that baby alive, to keep that baby fed, to keep that baby growing. And if you look at God like the doting grandfather over the shoulder, just smiling at the work of a mother. Mom, when you take care of your child in the power and in the, in the, in the, in the love of the Lord, it pleases God. Have you ever thought about the, the teenager who's hanging out with his friends, who, who is an encourager, who lifts up his friends, who guides his friends into kind of good conversation, into healthy competition, to be able to have a fun day and a fun moment. And when, when God looks down at that teenager who is just enjoying his relationship with his friends, he is pleased. He's, he's happy. And when you laugh, God laughs. Have you ever thought about it, husband, when you care for your wife, when you put her before yourself in a given moment of the day, when you take that extra effort to take some relief off of her shoulders to show you how much you care and how much you love her, that that causes God's heart to be warmed. When we fulfill the roles that God has designed for us, when we obey God and take the steps that God has asked us to take, when we enjoy the creation that God has blessed us with, it pleases God. Man, what a privilege. And how, how often do we think about how can I please God today? Jesus in this moment pleased God, so much so that he announced it from a bright cloud. Now, in this moment, Jesus adds something to the quote, or excuse me, God adds something to the conversation that he, he doesn't normally add. At the baptism of Jesus, when Jesus came in and got baptized by John the Baptist, we saw this happen. God showed up. It was the first place that he spoke in the Gospels. God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That marked the beginning of the book of Matthew. That marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry up until this point. Now we have the transfiguration. God shows up again. And he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He's now marking a transition point. The rest of his ministry will begin. His journey to the cross will now take place. He's beelining for suffering, right? So there's, there's a transition. God showing up in both these places. But in this time, in this moment, Jesus says, or God says about Jesus, listen to him. Peter was still catching his breath to try to add another sentence. Can you imagine? Peter's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to build the booth, and God comes. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Peter, listen. Shut your trap. Stop your yapping. I want you for a moment just to listen to God. And how often do we need this same reminder that we should be listening to Jesus? Here's the second question. Have you asked yourself today, how can I please God? It might be big, it might be little, but have you also asked yourself, how can I listen to God today? You can make that, that question and have that opportunity every day to say, I'm going to listen to God today. And some of us are here saying, I wish I heard from God. I wish God would speak to me. I wish he would talk. I wish Jesus would just say something so that I would know he was there, so that I could experience him, so that I could hear him. And I don't know how to hear God. If that's you, if you're here in person or you're online, you're thinking, I don't know how to hear God. One of the greatest things that you need to hear me say today is it's time for you to be quiet. It's time for you to stop all of the distractions and open your mind and open your heart in a moment of peace just to listen. You see, one of the greatest dangers that we have as Christians today in 2021 is the amount of noise that is out there distracting us. If you have a cell phone and you carry that thing around, you spend time on your screen, you are now preconditioned to never have a moment of nothing. How many of you stand in line and you can't just stand there anymore? You got to grab your phone and start distracting yourself as you're waiting in line. As, as you're in traffic, if you do this, you are normal, but it's so bad. 
I'm at the red light, so I'm going to grab my phone. I've got like 15 seconds to see what's on my feed or to answer that notification or to look at what's going on in the world. And we can never have, how many of you walk into the house and click on the television just because you need the background noise? You have to have music playing in your dorm room or you can't think straight, right? That's us. We're involved in that noise. And now, have you considered to yourself, if you can't hear God's voice, what voices are you hearing? Because you're hearing something. There is some voice that you're listening to in every moment of every day. Maybe you're listening to the talking heads on the TV that have the answers to all of the current events that are happening in every moment of every time. Like, how do these people know everything about everything? But they do, and they're on TV, and so they must be smart. Or I'm going to listen to that blogger who I've never met, who I'm going to read his article, and he must know what he's talking about because he's online, and he's got a podcast, and, and he's, he's written an article, and maybe it's some random person in a magazine, and I don't know who these people are, but they're the voices that I'm listening to. And they're on the channel that I like, or they're on the, the streaming platform that I like, and I, I kind of take their voices, and I, I listen to them, and they're, the, they're what I'm hearing. Maybe you're listening to this steady stream of self-talk, and you can't listen to anybody else because you're listening to you. And you're the one that has to figure it out. You're the one that has to get all the answers. And you're the one that's got to answer all the questions. And so you're constantly giving yourself a narrative. I heard this said in the last 24 hours. The person that you lie the most to is yourself. You ever thought about that? The person that you lie the most to is yourself. You're always trying to convince yourself of something else. Trying to figure out the next big thing. And if you've got it figured out, then it must be the way that it is. Maybe, maybe you listen to a, a person that you're in a relationship with. I have seen teenage boys go from independent self-starters to completely dependent on a girlfriend. And they can't do anything without listening to the voice of their girlfriend. I don't know if that's good or bad. I've just seen it happen over and over and over again. And all of a sudden we start listening to the voices of our our loved ones. We start listening to the person that we have affections for. And so now I'm going to do what they're doing because they're the voice that I'm listening to in this moment. Maybe you're listening to the voice of your tribe. We all have a tribe. It could be a Christian community. It could be a political community. It could be a, a neighborhood community. It could be an online community. And that's your tribe and that's the voice that you listen to. And there's tons of other options. Now, if you hear all of those voices, but you don't hear from God, and you don't hear from Jesus, then you've not, Jesus doesn't have a voice problem, you have a listening problem. And you've got to say to yourself, how can I quiet, Jesus says, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. How can I turn down the volume? How can I turn off my notifications? How can I turn off the pundits? How can I hear less from my tribe? We live in a time where we're bombarded by everyone's thoughts everywhere all the time. And how can I intentionally shut those things down and have a moment where I say, God, I am here to hear from you. That's a part of what church is all about on Sunday mornings when we gather together. We want to be still. We want to know that he is God. And we want to hear from him. Jesus, God, commands us in this moment to listen to Jesus. How are you at obeying that command? It's massively important. The reason for the transfiguration there's theological reasons, there's doctrinal reasons, there's stort narrative reasons. But why does Jesus take Peter, James, and John to a mountain, display a bright light, stand next to Moses and Elijah, and then we hear from God? The purpose of the transfiguration is this. So that a few, three people, Peter, James, and John, would experience the person of God in the presence of Jesus. So that three men would experience the person of God in the presence of Jesus. Because Jesus was there, they could experience God 
in that moment. This moment of experiencing God through the person of Jesus was transformational. Not only did Jesus transfigure in front of them, but Peter changed, and James changed, and John changed, and they started to begin to understand Maybe for the first time that Jesus was more than a rabbi, more than a human Messiah, but that he was actually God himself in flesh because they experienced it and no one was going to tell them any different. All three of these men would go on to die for Jesus as God because of this moment, the transfiguration that they experienced. Have you experienced the person of God in the presence of Jesus? Have you experienced God in the presence of Jesus? How do you want to feel God? How do you want to hear from God? How do you want to know God? How do I approach the presence of God? We do it through the person of Jesus. The more that we hear from Jesus, the more that we know about Jesus, the more that we have a relationship with Jesus, the more that we talk to him, the more that we listen to him, the more that we serve him, the more that we worship him, then the more that we can know God and we can experience God. The closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to God. So if you are feeling distant from God, if you feel like God is not hearing your prayers, if you're feeling like you can't hear from God, what do you do? Run to Jesus. Run to that relationship. Spend quiet, large amount of time with Jesus and experience him. There's been a a book written on this whole topic of experiencing God. And and I, I have this same question and I often ask it and it's for your small groups. I think you should talk about it. How do you experience God? How can I hear God? How can I feel God? How can I know God? Is it going to be a voice from heaven? Is it going to be a feeling that I have? And and again, there's lots of different ways to talk about. There's lots of theological studies on it. But one of the best that I've seen is this book called Experiencing God. And this book called Experiencing God just exposes us to the scripture's teaching and to the stories of our lifetime about how we can interact with God today. And so if you want to dive deeper into this, dive deeper into this book. And I think it'll be well worth your time. You could study it as a small group. You could study it for family devotions. You could do it personally. You could just read it on your own. I heard the grandson, a story about the grandson of this author this week. The grandson of this author, who was about 17 or 18 years old, was struck with insomnia. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, but have you ever gone for long periods of time without being able to sleep well? I mean, maybe getting two, three hours of sleep. For the first week, it's annoying. For the second week, it's, it's troubling. On the third week, it's a disaster. You can't think straight. You can't function. You feel physically sick. Your emotions go all over the board. To be sleep-deprived is is a a source of chronic emotional and physical pain. And this 17 or 18 year old was traveling through a large extended season of insomnia where he was just awake at one, two, three, four, five, six in the morning and then trying to get through school the next day. He told all of his friends, he told his family, he told his granddad all about what was going on. Please pray for me. Please ask God to help me. I want to feel God. I want to experience God's healing. I want to know his peace. I want to know his hope. And he was trying to travel through the season hearing from God, and he kept getting no answers. And finally, at at one of his low moments, uh, at three in the morning, he was having this argument with God, and he said, God, do you love me? Do you see me? Do you care about me? Do you want to help me get through this life? Because if you do, I don't feel it. I'm not experiencing your comfort and your love. Maybe you're not there. Maybe you hate me. Maybe you're trying to punish me. But God, I can't take this anymore. And if you don't fix this now, you must not be real. He was in this incredibly low moment. A couple weeks later, he went on a trip with his youth group. About 30 or so of his other teenage friends we on this trip, and the youth group have been going through some up and low, ups and downs. There's some difficult things happening. So while on this trip, the youth pastor got all the teenagers together. He said, guys, I want us to just stop, and I want us to worship God together, and I want us just to talk 
about what God is doing in our lives. And I want us to hear from God together today. And hopefully it'll be an encouragement to us. Who's going to go first? Well, this young man brings up what's going on in his life. And he says, listen, I'm, 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 me and God are having some trouble right now. And you all know where I've been. You've all been praying for me. But I'm frustrated. I'm questioning. And I'm hurting. And I don't think God's listening. He was done talking. And, and, and just a couple minutes later, one of the other teenage girls said, well, I've, I've got something to say about that. She said, well, I, you and I don't know each other very well. We live in the same neighborhood. We go to the same school. We go to the same youth group. But a few months ago, I had come so low in my story that I was ready to take my own life. And in, in three in the morning, I was thinking about ways to kill myself. And it got so dark and it got so bad that all of a sudden this overwhelming dark feeling filled my soul and I could see myself planning out how to go on with my own suicide and I, I, was, I was going to do it and I was moving that direction and it felt bad and evil and oppressed and I was so low and, and the last thing that I did before I decided to move forward with this plan that was formulating in my mind and I think the devil was feeding it to me was I, I checked online, I, I thought to myself, Maybe somebody's out there to talk to. And I remembered you. You're always awake at 2, 3, 4 in the morning. And so I texted, are you awake? Do you remember that? He goes, yeah. And you answered, yeah, I can't sleep. And we talked. And you encouraged me. And you brought me back away from that dark spot. And because you were awake at three in the morning, I'm alive. Another boy raised his hand. Same story. Got to a low place. Needed someone to talk to. Didn't know what he was going to do. Thought about taking his own life. Went online and saw that his friend was there. Reached out. Messaged. He prayed for his friend. I'm going through a hard spot where you pray. We prayed together at three or four in the morning. Another girl said, I don't know if you know this, but I wrote you a note. I said, what? She goes, I don't know what happened, but a couple of weeks ago, I woke up at three in the morning, and God brought you to my mind, and I wrote you this note. And she pulls out the note, and it was addressed to him. And it says, dear so-and-so, I don't know why I feel like you need to hear this, but you need to hear this. God sees you. God loves you. God cares about you. And God is working through you. She wrote that at the same moment he was praying the prayer. God, do you hear me? God, do you see me? God, do you love me? God, do you care? One of the truths about experiencing God is simply this. God is always at work around you. God is always at work through you. God is always present. His voice is always available. His leading and his spirit are always guiding and directing. And even when you don't feel it, even when you don't know what's happening, he is still working. And you can experience God's leading and God's work if you will listen and allow him to do what he is doing. Don't ever stop trusting that God is working. And you can feel his forgiveness. You can feel his love. You can be led by his spirit. You can walk in his power when you give yourself over to experiencing the person of God in the presence of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, it would be hard for you to experience God because you don't know Jesus. And this is how God works through our day and time. And if you are ready to take that step to say, I'm ready to become a follower of Jesus, God can work in your life the same way he's worked in all of ours. And God's voice is saying to you in this moment, today is the day of your salvation. Trust in my son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And Jesus is calling you to salvation. 
If you realize that your sin has separated you from God, that your sin has broken your relationship with God, the only thing that can fix that is, that, is Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. Jesus died so that your sin could be forgiven. And today, if you're ready to become a follower of Jesus, I just want to encourage you to have a conversation with God. Tell God that you know you're a sinner, that you believe Jesus died on the cross and rose again for your sins, and that, that you want to accept the free gift of salvation. You want to become a part of the family of God. Become a follower of Jesus today. And if you have any more questions about this, you can go online to branchlife.church. You can click on that gospel tab, and we'll walk you through what it means to become a follower of Jesus, to be saved by God, to allow God's presence to be real in your life through the person of Jesus. Now, our question. The second part of this story brings us to the question, is this the end of the world? So what happens to Peter, James, and John as they follow Jesus down the mountain? Well, in verse 7, they remember, they were terrified on their faces because of this bright light and the voice of God. And in verse 7, but Jesus came down and he touched them saying, rise, have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Jesus does this over and over again in the gospel. He does something miraculous and he says, don't tell anybody. Why does he do that? Well, one of the things about the transfiguration is simply this. You can't understand the transfiguration without the resurrection. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And so if, if he's God and he's in person, then what's he doing here on earth? Well, when the resurrection happens, case closed, this is God in flesh. Now the transfiguration makes sense. Nobody was going to believe it. No one was going to understand it. No one was going to get it. So logistically, Jesus was saying, wait, wait until the resurrection. So don't tell anyone until the resurrection. Now, that's the instructions. But verse 10, then the disciples, so here's Peter, James, and John, then they asked him, then why do the scribes say that first Elijah might, must come? What they're asking in this question is they're asking an end times question. The entire Old Testament is written to lead up to the Messiah's coming. Here's the last verses in the Old Testament. In Malachi chapter 4 verses 1 through 6, it says this. This is how the Old Testament closes. Before I will send you Elijah, behold, excuse me, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now the day of the Lord shows up over and over and over again in the Old Testament. It's referring to different parts of the end of the world. And so the day of the Lord for some is a judgment day. It's the day that God is going to judge and he's going to throw people into eternal punishment and he's, he's going to take care of all the sin and the evil in this world. And so there's, there's great wrath and there's great judgment in that great day of the Lord. For others, the day of the Lord is this day of blessing. It's the day where God establishes his kingdom and he, he comes again and, and goodness is now alive on earth and all the brokenness is taken care of. And Jesus, the, the way the world was meant to be, will be. And so this great day of the Lord is talked about over and over again in the Bible, and, and here it is at the end of the Old Testament. And Elijah is going to come before the awesome day of the Lord comes. And he, Elijah, will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers. So when that happens, the day of the Lord's coming soon, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Day of the Lord, utter destruction. And what's going to be the sign unto you that this day of the Lord is coming? Well, Elijah's going to show up first. Guess who Peter, James, and John just saw on a mountain? Elijah. They're like, oh, oh, oh. This could be it. This is, this is it. This is the end. Now, the end times are here. This has to be the end times. He said Elijah would come. Now Elijah's here. I just saw him. And they're walking down the mountain, and they're all like, the end is here, right? They walk back into the other disciples. The apocalypse has come. The sky is now falling. We have seen Elijah, right? So that's where their minds have gone. Incredible event. Some pings of prophecy 
right? We, this, you talked about Elijah. There's Elijah. This must be the end. Is this the end times? That's the question. Here's how Jesus answers the question, right? This is fascinating. I, fascinating to me. Verse 11, he answered, Elijah does come, and he, when he is restored, and, and he will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but, but did to him whatever they pleased, so that the Son of Man will certainly suffer at the hands, at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Wait, what just happened? Jesus was talking to them about this prophecy, about what was going to happen, and who was Elijah, and he said, what I'm saying is I've already sent Elijah in the form of John the Baptist. You can do a theological study about John the Baptist and his connection to Elijah. It comes up in some other places. But the disciples all of a sudden put two and two together. And Jesus said, I've already instituted the changing of hearts through John the Baptist who was announcing the coming Messiah and they killed John the Baptist. We've already talked about this in Matthew. They missed it. They missed the prophecy. They missed the point. Because they were so focused on what they thought would happen at the end of the world. But I tell you what has to happen is I now have to suffer. And Jesus is making a beeline to the cross. He says you have to realize the cross is going to take place. And I'm going to die. And I'm going to raise again from the dead. And he's pointing him back to the discussion of what's going to happen to the Messiah. Here's how Jesus answers the question. Don't be so fixated on the future that you miss what's going on now. Don't be so fixated on the future that you miss what's going on now. You're now asking me a prophecy question. You're asking me about the future. And I'm telling you, there have been people that have been thinking about the future and they're missing the present. One of the greatest dangers about thinking about the future is that we miss, about, we miss the present. I, I saw a preacher get online today and he says, all right, church, we're going to have our first prophecy fulfilled workshop of 2022. We do these regular updates. Here's what's happening in the world of prophecy. Let's all get together and here's what I know. I know that Prince Andrew knows who the Antichrist is. Wait, what? And he's going to get everyone together and they're going to talk about it and, and there's money coming from Iran and China's getting ready to do this and then Russia's going to come in from the West and we, we can start getting so fixated on trying to understand if, if, who's the Antichrist and what's the mark of the beast and is this the war of, and wars and the rumors of wars and I, I, am I hearing trumpet sounds in the distance and we can start trying to put all these puzzle pieces together and we can get so fixated on it that we miss what God is calling us to do now. And God has said, what you're supposed to do now is you're supposed to love me with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get that done. Let's focus on now. Let's focus on God's will now and what you need to walk through. Why does Franklin Graham have to keep going out there to say that the mark of the beast is not a microchip for a vaccine? Because Switzerland just announced a microchip that tells people whether or not they've been vaccinated. And everyone went, is this the end times? Is this the mark of the beast? And God's going, I got this. Don't worry about it. Yes, eventually we're going to get to the end times. Yes, eventually there's going to be a mark of the beast. Yes, eventually there's going to be an antichrist. But that doesn't matter to us. If you see what God has revealed in Scripture, you see that He wins in the end. He is working through history, for history, for our good. He's given us instructions, and those instructions say, be present in the present and let God handle the future. It is not for us to know the times and the seasons of when God will return. Read it in Matthew chapter 24. It's not for us. And what we need to know, we know. We know that God is in control. We know that he will return. We know that there are specific, clear understanding of what prophecy will happen, and we don't need to get overly fixated on it that we forget to love God and love our neighbor now. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, go there. 
Matthew chapter 6, kind of gives us a preceding warning about what's happening. Matthew chapter 26 is the famous be anxious for nothing passage, which we can apply to the end times. Be anxious not about the end times. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to be anxious about it. In Matthew chapter uh, 6 and verse 32, it says this. For the Gentiles seek after all of these things. What shall we wear? What shall we eat? What shall, what, what's going to be the end of the world? But the heavenly Father knows what you need. 33. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. Verse 34. Listen up. Therefore... Do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So what do we do about the future? Well, just give you three thoughts and we'll, we'll move on. Number one, be sure your name is in the book of life. I think that's the most important thing you need to know about the future is know that you have a personal relationship with God and that you are saved. If you're a child of God, then you're in the hands of God and God works all things together for good to those that love him. Where do I want to be in the end times? I want to be in the hands of God. I want to be in the family of God. I want to be in the army of God. How do I get there? Make sure you're saved. So if you're not sure about your salvation, that's issue number one. Number two, ask God for wisdom for today. God, what would you have me do today? Where would you have me go today? How would you have me react to this news article, this request, this opportunity? Give me wisdom. And James 5 says, if you lack wisdom, you ask of God, he gives generously. Today's taken care of. Then, trust God that he already holds tomorrow. Maybe you're like this teenager who's in the middle of insomnia and you don't know if you can take it anymore, if God even cares. Just trust God, he's got you. You may not see it now, you may not see it in this lifetime, but God has got you. So what, what do we do? What do we do about the present? Well, here's how we can be present in the present. Today, you can please God. Ask yourself this, how can I please God today? How can I make him smile? How can I make him laugh? How can I make him proud of me? What step can I take that takes me closer to God? And if you ask this question, then two, listen for the answer. Take a moment to listen to God. Listen, when I prepare for these messages, I can listen to all kinds of commentators. I can listen to other pastors. I can read other books. I can talk to friends and family and to some of you guys. And all of that I find very helpful. None of it's near as helpful as just being quiet in the presence of God. And letting him direct my thoughts, my mind. And letting his spirit lead in the way that he wants us to go in our study, in our conversation. Stop every day and listen to God. Drown out the other noise. Turn off the, the channel. Shut down the phone and listen to God. And then number three, you can share Jesus today. Share Jesus. And, and this is a powerful closing thought. What happens to Peter, James, and John when they see, they think this is the end, right? And he goes, no, no, stop. Don't worry about it. Just be present. And then they go, they're not going to believe this. <laughs> they're not going to believe what I saw, and I can't even say anything. They're not going to believe what I just experienced. And, and here's the thought. The more that you witness the glory of Jesus, the more that you witness for Jesus, the more that you hear from Jesus, the more you're going to talk about Jesus. The more Jesus changes your life, the more you're going to want him to change others' life. Worship, listening to God, should be so passionate and so powerful in our lives that we can't shut up about it. we got to go out and tell people about this Jesus that we know who changes our lives, who gives us comfort, who gives us peace. The more you witness the glory of Jesus, the more you hear from him, the more you're going to talk about him. Listen to first, listen to Peter. This is Peter, right? He's talking about this moment. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths. This Christianity is not man's idea. This is not a clever solution for world, world peace. We didn't do that. When we made known to you, we told you about it. We couldn't stop talking about it. The power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, 
He experienced this power on that mountaintop, and he had to let people know. So he was going around. I'm telling you, we have experienced this power that we've made known to you, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him on that mountain, and it was bright, and it was a light, and the voice of God showed up. It's not man's idea, Christianity. It's God's. And I got to tell you about Jesus, because you experience God through the person of Jesus. He says, when we received honor and glory from God the Father, remember he spoke, and the voice was born to him by that majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him in that holy mountain. Today, I can tell other people about Jesus, who I hear from regularly in my life. Do you experience that Jesus? So what's going to happen in the end? God's going to take care of it. What can I do today? I can ask God how I can please him. I can listen for the answer, and I can share him with others. What's your next step at Branch Life Church? What, what we encourage you with today? Do you have any questions? Before you log off or you, before you leave, we want to encourage you to go ahead and fill out this card. It's available online at branchlife.church. We hope that you'll come next week because next week in a series of questions, we're going to ask this, must I pay taxes? So really the question for next week is, who's the boss? All right, so that's our question for next week and we hope you'll join us. Let me close in prayer. God, we thank you for this time together. We pray it would be encouragement. As those that are traveling on the roads are about this morning, just keep them safe. And Lord, may we love you more as, our, as a result of our worship today. God, would you speak to us and would you give us ears to hear. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thanks again for diving into God's word with us. We hope it spoke to you in a special way. Don't forget to fill out your connection card before you log off. You may go to branchlife.church or you can find it in the chat area and click on the link. If this was a blessing to you, it would be a favor to us if you could pass the word along. Share online, tag a friend, or by word of mouth. Who knows how God can speak to you or to others through this series. Anytime you would like to connect with us, come right back onto our website or onto our YouTube channel, Facebook, and hopefully you can find um, ways to connect with us, more series to dive into, and just ways to help encourage you throughout your day. Thanks again. Bye.